Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? My name is Michael, one of the co-founders of MacroHead.com. Today we're going to be doing a five-minute stock analysis on Reynolds Consumer Products Incorporated, aka Reynolds, ticker symbol R-E-Y-N on the NASDAQ. And they're a pretty well-known, I would say, uh, company, especially in the consumer goods space. Um, they sell products a lot of different products, but you can, the most well-known brands that you probably have heard of are Reynolds Wrap um, and then Hefty Bags. They have a couple other brands as well that I'm sure do pretty well, um, but Hefty and uh, Reynolds Wrap are pretty much the, the staples of the company, I would say. So they're probably somewhere in your in, in your kitchen, I would guess. <laughs> but nevertheless, let's get a better idea of kind of this mid-size household company or household goods and consumer products company and get a better idea as to whether or not this stock is worth investing in for the long term. So as of this recording, the, sh the share price of Reynolds is about $29 almost, currently has a market capitalization of $6 billion, price to earnings ratio of 19.74, so pretty much fair value right now, according to the price to earnings ratio is what it's trading at, pretty much what it's worth or what it's worth buying at. Um, so interesting. Um, that's not very common that we see that. So over to the balance sheet, let's get a little more information and kind of tell the scales here. So total assets of about 4.8 billion, total liabilities about 3 billion. That's fine. Uh, not great. Not terrible. Uh, total assets cover total liabilities by a good margin. Not, not too worried. Um, income statement, total revenue, Generally increasing, um, was stood at just south of three billion in 2017, and then crept up, stayed about three billion or in the three billion range between 2018 and 2020, uh, in 2021 as well. Uh, but it's been steadily rising. Um, but I think that was especially the, the jump between 2020 and 2021. That was probably largely in part due to commodity costs that they had to cover, and then they shifted to the consumer. Um, and then they raise prices. Uh, I think that was a big thing that that was that a lot of companies, especially consumer goods companies that they can do that since they have the brand power, they have the market share, things like that. I think that they did that. Um, and that's why that could account for the, the revenue jump or the total revenue jump between 2020 and 2021. I don't know. I don't think that that's going to be a consistent thing, but I think it's safe to say that their total revenue in general for years to come is going to be in the $3 billion range, uh, barring any crazy stuff happening, of course. Their net income on a cat on their cash flow statement has been yeah, very very uh, consistent, uh, kind of in the three hundred million uh, area code, um, dipping down a little bit in twenty eighteen and twenty twenty or in twenty nineteen, but generally speaking, it's been all po or has been positive for over the last five years, uh, and kind of off the three of those five years has been in the three hundred million dollar range. So no complaints. Uh, general, that seemed like a good cash flow generative business. Um, their profitability or their net profit margin is slightly lower than that of the industry. They go against some very tough players. I mean, think of the Cloroxes, think of the Procter and Gambles, think of the, the Church and Dwight's. I mean, they go against a lot of good, uh, formidable foes and competitors. Um, so that is probably why their net profit margin is slightly lower than the industry average. They also just don't have as many brands, um, which I think would actually help. I would have thought that would help their net profit margin be a little higher, but um, I'm definitely not an expert in this space. But their net profit margin is lower than that of the industry by a modest margin, I would say. And then the returns on equity assets and investment are all lower than that of the industry average. Currently, as we kind of wrap up our five-minute stock analysis on Reynolds, it's hard. I'm not the biggest fan. They're, they seem like a very average 
company. Like, I feel like you could generate returns, get a higher dividend and get higher returns and more brand power and more, you know, do better with your capital if you were to deploy it in this space. If you invested in a Procter & Gamble, I think that they're the leader in the space. They're a great, great, you know, efficient company. Um, and there's all the, uh, also other companies, you know, that are probably, you know, similarly you know, good <laughs> as well. Um, but I don't think Reynolds is just a, it plays in a pretty tough space. Uh, but it's a pretty average company, good company, good brand power. Uh, but the numbers are just pretty average. I feel like you could get, it'd be more interesting to go, to go elsewhere to a Procter and Gamble, to a church and Dwight, to a, a Colgate, Palmolive, even a Clorox perhaps, you know, um, but decent financials, um, good, pretty much across the board. Their returns are lacking. Their net profit margin isn't exactly where I'd want it to be. Um, but it is pretty much trading a fair value. So given all this information, I give uh, Reynolds a strong hold rating, but be sure to do your own due diligence and check out the stock for yourself, of course.